Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. Welcome again to Selena Resvani, author of Pushback, How Smart Women Ask and Stand Up for What They Want, and she's got a new book. Now, by the time this episode airs, it will have come out. Uh, the new book is called Quick Confidence and You Need It. So thanks, Selena. Thank you for coming back. So glad to be here, Joanne. So today I want to talk about what you're doing, what you did to prepare you for this work on helping women uh, become stronger self-advocates. Um, I'm really happy to have a world changer like you as a part of the See Something, Do Something series. So let's talk about what did you do? Last time we talked about what you saw, but I really want to go deeper. Um, so let's talk. Well, you know, it's funny. I think the first thing I had to do was actually undo a little bit. Um, I grew up in a household where I was taught to be deferential to authority. Um, I had a pretty strict uh, immigrant uh, Pakistani dad who, you know, children were to be seen and not heard so much. And I was really absorbed this message, like, you know, wait your turn, um, uh, take just enough, you know, don't ask for too much. And, and look, it made it really hard come adulthood to then do some of these leadership behaviors. You know, some of that stuff I learned was in direct contradiction <laughs> to what you need to do to lead at work. Um, you know, take a firm position, ask for what you need, negotiate for your needs. I felt really uncomfortable and, you know, odd, frankly, doing mm -hmm. those things. So I think there was a big undoing process I had to do before I could teach anyone else how to advocate with fierceness. Um, but but really that path, um, being a recovering good girl, as they call it, you know, um, I looked around and I saw a lot of other women dealing with that, that same expectation. Um, I love that recovering good girl. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, I, it's what gave birth to these very experiential workshops I deliver. And I, I love running these workshops. I do them with professionals in industries from Silicon Valley to ad agencies in New York City to uh, women physicians, you know, and, and it's so gratifying because guess what? despite their industry, despite how incredibly fierce these women are, there is a unifying kind of feeling that um, I'd really like to ask for what I need. I'd really like to speak up and, and take that firm position. But so much of the time I hear, but I don't want to be too much. I don't right. destroy the relationship. And, and that's where these workshops really giving people a license and a laboratory and a playground even to try on some of these behaviors, these assertiveness techniques 
in some cases for the first time in their yeah. lives that they've really let themselves um, own their authority. I love that. I love, love, love that. You know, one of the other things that I hear is, well, I don't want to be labeled as the B word. I don't want to be labeled as being too aggressive. And I believe that it's okay to have a, a label here or there if you are true to yourself. And it's okay to be seen as an outlier if you're being true to yourself and if you are advocating in a way that is respectful of you and respectful of others. Do you hear much about the labeling that women fear? Yeah, and I think hearing you say that is really powerful uh, as a woman of your distinction. Hearing you say that I think is is very liberating to a lot of us. And, and I really appreciate that message. And I do, I hear so much fear and apprehension. I'd say it's the number one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to appear um, the B word. I'm going to look like strident, righteous, entitled, mm -hmm. you know, these, these, these fear-based um, perceptions that we're concerned about. And I try to tell people, there is no way to ask for your needs in a perfectly adorable, no, perfectly no. acceptable, you right. can be perfect balance way. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Yep. And, you got a woman up. Yep. Yes. And yes. so I love the idea of being a little less concerned about making it socially perfect and so palatable that it was just, uh, you know, the, the most um, digestible message on earth. And instead working on speaking up more often. Yes, because the more you do it, the yeah. more comfortable you get with it and the more skilled you get with it. And, and perfection's not the goal. You know what I mean? If you hold yourself to that, you're never going to ask for what never, you need. You never. know, you're going to wait for that sign in the sky to tell you, okay, now's the time. Hey, you know, get out there, do it afraid, do it imperfectly, learn as you go and praise progress praise yes. your progress that you got there that you had the the guts to get yourself to the negotiating table i love that one of the things that i stress is stop acting like you're 12 if you act like you're 12 they will treat you like you're 12 that overly differential behavior that um ending sentences with did that make sense? Um, those kinds of things or, you know, in conversations saying, excuse me, but, I, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So I think that there's a lot to be learned and a lot for women like you to continue teaching about language and about personal power and owning your power. Well, and it feels lousy, you know, I know I did that. I saw in the beginning of my career, I really relegated myself to kind of the kids table. Mm -hmm. When I'd be in a leadership meeting, you know, mm -hmm. sitting on the outer rung of chairs, being quiet. Well, the problem with that is when you take that more passive role, you're left at everyone else's mercy. Yep. 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 They're the deciders. They're right. the producers of the conversation, right. the shapers of the future. And that's 
guess what? Doesn't feel good. No. And then often you resent it because, yeah. but I, I, I say this, don't resent what you created, change it. Um, yeah, right. Change it. So thinking about evolving into being a consultant who specializes in advocacy uh, for women, being a nationally, internationally known author and speaker, what are some of the initial hurdles that you overcame and, and what'd you do? What'd you face and what'd you do? Yeah, I think there was different kinds of hurdles for sure. And I think for me, one of them was self-imposed. I think, you know, this sense that am I good enough? Um, can I can I do this? Can I create change? So some self-doubts, I'll never forget one particular day going to New York City to talk to a law firm about culture change and making their culture more inclusive and welcoming to women. And I'll just never forget getting out of the subway and looking up at a skyscraper that looked like it touched the clouds and just feeling the smallness you know, in that moment of like little me, solo entrepreneur, and I'm going to go up to that law firm on the 85th floor and pitch myself. And, and I think we all have moments like that. But I think getting over those, talking and coaching myself through those, I use a mantra that helped me and I still use it in situations like that. And it's, I 400% belong. I, I 400% belong in this interview, this mahogany boardroom, mm -hmm. this presentation, you know, and, and I encourage people to draw on the strength of that too, you know, um, because I think it's, it's really a lousy feeling when we feel we don't belong. We're not always going to get that external validation and we can't outsource it. Right. Right. It's not their job. It is not, not their, their responsibility. Job. Yep. Yep. That's yep. Right. And, and so I think that was one hurdle. I think another more practical hurdle in starting consulting work, which I did was enlisting help. You know, I, I very much looked at bringing on help, having admin support, even as an expense, not as an investment. Mm -hmm. And I, I regret that. I really feel I could have accelerated my path if I had been willing to not do it all. At the time, I kind of felt like, oh, this is great and clever and bootstrapping to kind of do it all and do this part in my books and my taxes and operations and delivery of sessions and consulting. And I think I really could have freed myself up to mm -hmm. use more of the things I can do um, to, to play to those strengths more. Um, so that's a big learning. Um, I can relate to that one. I remember early on in the business where I didn't do my own taxes, but I did everything else. I mean, I was looking at envelopes because that was back when, remember, yeah. you used to mail out your little flyers and stuff. And I was going to get the, that was back when you had the little CDs and one day someone said this to me they said how much does an hour of your time cost with a client and i said okay this is what it costs with a client they said so why are you wasting that money on 
doing labels mm -hmm. on filing on that. And they broke it down that, you know, you can hire someone in to do those things for 15, 20 bucks an hour. So why are you wasting that money? And that's time that you could be use, using to free your mind to do the things that earn the real revenue. And that was like so liberating because like you, I was like, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do the other. So I agree yeah. with you. And don't don't you think it's not just, oh, time management. It was a time management issue. I think oftentimes it's more of a self-worth issue. It's it's almost someone reminding you it's okay to let go of some of those things that mm -hmm. you are enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or that your gifts are meaningful and they deserve, you know, right. to, to be out there in the world. So I think there's even a deeper level there than even how we spend our time. I think you're very, very right. So that's something you would do different in hindsight. Is there anything else that, those are a couple of things. Is there anything else that you would do differently? Yes. I, you know, I think I would be bolder. Mm-hmm and make, you know, take some bigger swings and let myself make more of a mess. You know, I told you about my childhood a little bit and take just enough, don't be too um, demanding. Well, I think one of those things was like, be neat, you know, dot every I. And I would have loved to, and something I make a point to do with my 10 year old daughter, is like, let her mess it up. Let her try it. Let her be a newbie at something and a learner and see if she likes it and get her hands dirty. Um, I would have loved to do that a little bit more, uh, be more experimental, I guess you could say, and try different things. Uh, one of the people I really idolize, an author, uh, Dan Pink, wrote a book recently on regrets. And I think it's fascinating. He did the largest survey in the world on regrets people have. And one of the top two regrets are boldness regrets. Mm. Those times we didn't act boldly, like um, start the business, ask mm -hmm. the person out, um, you know, take that bold action, introduce ourselves to someone we really admire and, and I, I look at that, you know, somewhat similarly, I think I would have given myself that yellow permission slip to err on the side of boldness. When you think about boldness and building a network, were you bold enough at that? How did you do that? And are you bold enough at it now? I think the, the thing that scared me the most was building a community. Um, when I started my business, I think that was really attractive on one hand, who doesn't want to cultivate like a wonderful community you learn from and you give to, it sounded wonderful, but it just scared me. I felt a lot of, do I have enough to offer this group? Why would anyone want to be part of it? Uh, thoughts like that. And I also felt like practically how on earth do you even start? Mm -hmm. and, I have to tell you that has been one of the greatest joys of my uh, time that really started 
when the pandemic began, I, I felt a loneliness. I felt kind of like I was drifting on my own as a solo uh, entrepreneur. And I missed a lot of that community. And so I started creating it in earnest. I started creating, uh, don't laugh, TikToks every day, um, reels and videos on leadership development on Instagram. I started posting more on LinkedIn and this newsletter that became um, my newest book, Quick Confidence. And it felt wonderful. You know, it felt incredible to hear so many voices um, giving me more ideas, challenging me much of the time, saying, I'm interested in what you're saying, but I wish you would have talked about this. Um, Saying, thank you. This helped me. This helped me think differently about the people I lead. So I like to think I'm doing a little more active job today at building that community and speaking to them. And I don't plan to stop. That's wonderful. Wonderful. That's an area where I know I need to grow in. I am not a fan of social media. Mm. Um, I'm not, I mean, I have to remind myself to do the LinkedIn posts. I have to remind myself. And that is a truly a growth opportunity for me. Truly, truly, truly. I love doing these podcasts and I love the YouTube channel, but the social media is something like I need, I need, I need help. I need prayer on that. Because um, yeah. it doesn't come naturally to me. Well, you're not alone. And it it can feel so weird and so strange. And I, I can really understand that and relate to it, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and it doesn't need to be for everyone. So I'm not one to push it on anybody. But I think uh, if it's something you have a hankering to do, something you have like a little bit of a craving to try, I think it's well worth the experiment. The experiment. Cool, 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 cool. So as we wrap up today, we didn't get enough time to talk about impact. I want to talk about the impact that your work is having on the lives of individual women in corporations, really in the world. So I'd like to invite you to come back to talk about impact because, you know, you talked about the how, you talked about the why, but the bottom line is that we're here to, to do something in the world. So I want to talk about impact. Will you come back? Oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Selena Resvani, author of Quick Confidence and Pushback. Don't you love those titles? <laughs> Thanks, Selena. I will see you again soon. Thank you, Joanne. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe to get more relevant leadership learning. Check out my YouTube channel to stay prepared for leading in an ever-evolving world. Thank you.